I've had the hardest time getting into the swing of things today because my mask hanging off my microphone because uh, you love masks. So if, if you have the Bible, Mark 2. Mark chapter 2 is what we're going to be looking at today. And we are going to be doing uh, and continuing this series that we are calling Principles. And Principles is just simply looking at our DNA as a church. And the reason we're doing that is not so you can know how we do church. The reason that we're doing this is so that you can take some of these principles into the real world. And so we've been talking about our mission, our vision, our purposes as a church, and then now again our our, our DNA. DNA is how we do church. So mission is why we do church. Vision is what we want to be as a church. Purpose is what we do, but but, uh, these principles are our DNA. How do we do it? And it's your principles, it's your values, it's your culture, it's your DNA, whatever you want to call it. Those are all the same kind of thing. DNA, culture, values, principles. Your principles is really what make you unique as a person. And so um, those of you I've had the opportunity to get to know, you know, beyond surface level, I could point out some of your values, some of your principles, some of the DNA, things that make you really unique and weird and quirky because we all are. And if we were all the same person, um, that would not be a very exciting world. And so uh, our differences and our diversity make us very interesting, uh, make it more um, just amazing to have a relationship with people who are not like us. And so what makes us unique and how do we do things? And so as a church, we talked about these um, three things so far uh, that just are how we do church. And the first one was we're the Coast Guard, not the Yacht Club. And we talked about this idea that life is not about being comfortable, it's about reaching people for Christ. And so we encouraged you um, to get out of your comfort zone, to quit playing it safe, and to start doing what you can to reach people for Christ. Uh, Two, we looked at this idea that if you are saved, you serve. It's not if if you serve people, then you're saved. It's if you are saved out of the abundance of your heart, you then serve people And then last week, we looked at the one that makes us a cult. That's called um, We Are Water Buffaloes. This is a cult? No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, But we are water buffaloes. But we have had people leave our church over that statement. Like, we're just not water buffaloes. But we we are. And if you watched that video last week, and if you were traumatized by that, hopefully uh, you'll know what that was about. And that idea was just that there is health, growth, and protection in the herd of authentic community from roaring lions. And so we talked about how there are things out to get us, and we need a herd, a community of, quote-unquote, water buffaloes in order to see each other excel and move forward. And I've been very pleased with our church to see how you've been water buffaloes during this season, Uh, how you've given to people when they were in need, how you've served people when they're grieving, how you've served people uh, when they have a loved one in the hospital, how you've served people when they're quarantined at home, um, how you've served our community through giving uh, to families in need during the holiday season. This is a pretty good bunch of, of water buffaloes, if I might say so myself. So the, the, the remaining DNA statements we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks is uh, we choose fun. We are for this generation. That's next week. We have a little mini 20-minute message on it. Then we do more by doing less. We encourage innovation. We'll look at those two at our online-only service the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And then this is the ultimate DNA statement for 2020. We ride waves and roll with punches. And then number nine, we're for anyone, not for everyone. And that same week, we're going to look at this idea of there being no fence when it comes to Jesus. And so today, 
of all ironic days, we're going to talk about this statement, we choose fun. We choose fun. And let me just tell you, yesterday I did not have fun. Um, you can ask my family. Don't ask too much. They, they will just throw me under all buses. But I did not have fun yesterday. Um, yesterday was a tough day, and, and the weather didn't help, right? And some of you are like, this is my favorite kind of year. Like, this, why? Why? Uh, our dear friends here just got back from Mexico. I'm like, why, why did you come back? Like, you wanted to come back to this. And so uh, we choose fun. If you had to describe 2020 with one word, this would not be the word you would use. Because how many of you have had fun plans canceled this year? Like far too many fun plans canceled uh, because of this, this pandemic. And so we've had people with, with small weddings, um, you know, small parties, drive-by birthday parties for your 40th birthday. Like it's rough. Uh, fun is difficult in 2020. So I don't think anybody would, would say like, oh yeah, fun has been 2020. But here's the deal. This is where the idea of choosing comes in. Because the statement says we choose fun, right? And, and here's what, what I'm trying to learn. And I've learned from time to time in my life, and I would like us to learn as a church, is that you can choose things even in the most bleakest of circumstances. You can choose joy in the most bleak of circumstances. You can choose hope and faith and optimism within the bleakest of times. And even today, this idea we're talking about, you can actually choose fun when the world around you does not seem also fun. And so the question is, what on earth is fun? Like, literally, what is fun? Because that's actually a pretty ambiguous word that we use to describe a lot of things. We'll say something is fun, or this is fun, or this is fun, and it, it's become as ambiguous as the word love. Like, I love my cat. I love Chef Boyardee ravioli. I love my wife. I love my grandpa. It's all different, but it's the same word. Uh, we use this word for all sorts of things, but fun is one of those things. Just like, well, this is cool, or this is fun. It can mean a lot of different things. And so, what do you think about when you think about this word, fun? And we'll talk about in a minute, like, why in the world would that be something that's even spiritual or to discuss in church? And I would say, if we can't discuss this in church, then church really isn't something I want to be a part of. But what does it mean to be fun? And I actually had to look up the definition of fun because I bet you've never done that before. And it's not fun to look up the definition of words, is it? Um, but here's the definition of the word fun, and I've got some slides that show that fun is what provides amusement and enjoyment. That's kind of like, okay, you basically use the same word to describe it. Like amusement, enjoyment is fun. Number two, a mood for finding or making amusement. How many of you are in that mood today? In the mood of fun, in the mood for finding and making amusement. It's all in fun. Somebody always says that like as they're about to do something cruel to you. It's all in fun. Uh, amusement, enjoyment, derisive jest. Everybody loves a good derisive jest from time to time. And derisive jest, um, sport or, or ridicule. For example, like, oh, man, I'm just, I'm just having fun with you. Like making fun of you, right? And then number four, a violent or excited activity or argument. Wow, that's fun. A, a violent or excited activity or argument. Insults were exchanged and then the fun began. <laughs> like that's not the kind of fun we want to have in 2020. Like 
Maybe some of you are going to, like, some of you might be, like, relieved that, like, okay, I can tell all my crazy relatives that we can't have more than this many people in the house because we don't want the fun to begin. And some of you are like, no, we're committing a Class C misdemeanor anyways for Thanksgiving because we want to have fun. And so whatever you decide, you can kind of use the law to your advantage if you're like, whoa, not, not that fun this year. And so what do I think of when I think of fun? And, and I'm going to say what I think of when I think of fun, but I don't want you to know what I think of when I think of fun. What I want this to do is to actually make you think of what you think of when you think of fun. So usually when I think of fun, I think of uh, road trips with my wife. Isn't that special? Like holding hands, road trips with her, kids not in the car. Um, road trips, are, I think, are really fun. I went on a, a, a ministry road trip with Nathan Amerson, who's here today, um, back this last January. I think that was the last trip we went on due to COVID, really. And, and the, the guy wouldn't let me drive once. And that was not fun, Nathan, but I had fun with you. But I need to drive to have fun. And I'm not, I refused to hold his hand while we drove. <laughs> He tried, and I was like, no. I'm a married man. Um, most, but when I really think, like, the, the road trips was just kind of like that I need to throw something in for my wife, but when I, what actually comes, comes to mind first when I think of fun is anytime I jump off of something into the water is fun. And, and, like, jumping off cliffs is fun. How many of you enjoy that? Jumping off cliffs is fun. And if you don't think that's fun, you've never truly lived and I've brought some of you to do that with me, and you've abstained, and you get made fun of, well, I have fun. And so it's fun to jump off of cliffs. Um, it's fun to watch your kids discover new things, right? Like, what are the things you watch your kids discover that are fun? I, I think my favorite phase of my children's life is when they really loved playing with Legos. And for me, it was like I got to rediscover Legos all over again while they were discovering Legos for the first time while their grandma continued to buy them thousands of dollars of Legos, and I had the one set growing up. And so it's like, I get to live now vicariously through my kids' uh, Lego fun. Um, I love swimming in the ocean, but to preface that, not in Oregon or Washington or Northern California. But I like to swim in the ocean. It's actually fun to do so. Uh, I like laughing with friends. Um, this last weekend, we had a, a party with friends where we played Cards Against Humanity, the family edition. And um, the family edition was fun. And, like, we do things that are fun. I love to hike along coastlines and, and mountaintops, and I love to ride rides. I love having fun. How many of you enjoy having fun? You're amused by having fun. Like, no, Pastor, I despise fun. Um, I only like to make fun. Well, enjoy yourself. And so what is it? So, like, I wanted you to think about what you think about when you think about having fun, but what is all of this about? Here's what fun really is, guys. Fun is enjoying the goodness, wonder, creation, and favor of God. Fun is enjoying the goodness, wonder, creation, and favor of God. I would suggest to you, and I suggest it as a fact, actually, is that fun is worship. Fun is worship. It's enjoying God. It's enjoying God's creation. That is what it means to have fun. Now, can you have fun doing things that are not good? Yeah, you can, but, but true fun as it's intended to be had is to enjoy creation and worship God. And so fun is worship. Uh, Thanksgiving is, is not this Thursday, but the next Thursday. Fun is gratitude. 
Fun is a way of saying thank you. Fun is a way of saying thank you to God for the things and the activities he gave you to enjoy. Fun is connecting. Uh, You want to be around people who are fun. It connects you with other people. I would say that fun is reaching. When someone is having fun, it's actually reaching out to others and saying, come have fun with me. Fun is contagious. Fun is contagious. And that's why if you're in a really dark place or in a really bad mood and someone comes and they're having a lot of fun, it actually makes you super ticked off because you know it's contagious. And you know if you're around this person long enough, you might start having fun too. And when you're having fun, it's hard to sulk in your problems that you have found yourself in. And so fun is absolutely contagious. And so think for a moment about the funnest person you know. And I know that's not correct English, but it makes more sense than the person who is the most fun. Think about the person who is the funnest in your life. And are those people contagious? Are those people people that you want to be around, and do they reach you and connect with you through fun? And we get so lost in the monotony of life. We get so lost in the grind of work and school and the boredom of backlit screens of technology that we oftentimes forget what fun is like. Now, I would propose to you that it is, there are fun things to do when you do this. But it's not really fun. Real fun usually involves people with each other, face-to-face, out in creation. Yes, whatever game it is you play on this, or whatever, social media is not fun. It's just not. There's nothing fun about social media. But but it's just kind of the reality of the world we live in. We can have fun playing games on this thing, the phone, for those listening on the podcast, but but that's not real fun. We get so lost in those things that we forget what real fun looks like, let alone ever experience it. And so if you could actually think back for a moment, when was the last time you experienced real fun? Especially in 2020. When was the last time you experienced real fun? I had a lot of fun when I made fun of Tim Warnock the other night playing Cards Against Humanity, Family Edition, I had, I had a lot of fun, and Tim still sad about it, but I had fun. When was the last time that you had real fun and, and actually go there, like turn to your neighbor and tell them, when was the last time you had fun? Like, when was it? Oh, wait, tell somebody. When was the last time you had fun? If you're watching online, tell somebody when the last time you had fun was. That's really sad. Like, You mean really? Yeah. When was the last time that you had fun? So how is this some kind of spiritual issue? Well, we just looked at the idea that, first of all, fun is worship. It's enjoying God. It's gratitude. It's connecting. It's reaching. Fun is worship. But really, when you ask the question, well, that's not very spiritual, or how is it spiritual, we need to break off this notion that there are things that are spiritual and there are things that are not. Because everything we do is spiritual. The last time I checked, we are holistic beings who have bodies, minds, and spirits. So what I do with my mind is spiritual. Amen? What I do with my spirit is physical. And what I do with my physical body is mental. All things impact the other. We are not just body mind, and spirit, but we are body, mind, and spirit. And so every single thing that you do is spiritual. 
And everything we do has the potential to accomplish our highest spiritual goal. What is our highest spiritual goal? Our highest spiritual goal is to bring glory to God. Everything you do has the ability to bring glory to God. Everything. So when was the last time you brought glory to God? And some of you with a religious mindset said, well, when was the last time I read my Bible? When was the last time I attended church? When was the last time I went on a missions trip? Which, when was the last time that I prayed or I sang a worship song? And you're actually thinking wrong. But when was the last time you brought glory to God? You actually brought glory to God by sleeping last night because God created you to do that, and it's good. You brought glory to God by eating breakfast this morning as you remember that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Everything you do has the potential and the opportunity to bring glory to God, and so too does having fun. And because everything is spiritual, everything has the opportunity to bring glory to God and to reflect the character of Christ. We'll talk about that in a minute, about reflecting the character of Christ when it comes to fun. So here's why this is such a big deal. It's John 10.10. We talked about this last week. Jesus says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus says, but I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with fun. It does. Let me show you. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I've got some slides here that are going to break down some of these words that Jesus uses that John records in the Greek language. And so Jesus says, I came that you would have life. And and so this is written in Greek, and the word for life that Jesus uses is this word zoe. Zoe. And this word zoe that we translate in English to life you'll find out that Greek and Hebrew words are very, very, very deep, and they oftentimes have this wide breadth of meaning beyond just the word life. And so this word zoe means life in particular, the state of someone who is possessed of vitality or is animate. So someone who has vitality, are you vital? Someone who has vitality. When I, when I think about a person who has vitality, I'll pick on someone. I think of Greg Bratland, a man who has great vitality. Lower your glasses a little bit lower and look at me here. Yes, you. Okay. <laughs> think about someone who is animate, someone who is animated, someone who, who is able to express themselves. Sometimes you get annoyed by people who are going around. But Jesus said, I came that I would give you vitality and animation. The word zoe, it means every living soul. I came that you might be a living soul. I came that you would have animation and vitality. Definition number two, life of the absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical, which belongs to God. The fullness of life. Jesus came to give you full life. B. I love, this is a long one, but I like it. It's life, real and genuine. Some of you live lives that are not genuine at all, but lives which are real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed in the portion, even in this world of those who put their trust in Christ, but after the resurrection to be consummated by new ascensions among them, a more perfect body, hallelujah, and to last forever. Jesus came to give you that. 
How many of you are waiting for Jesus to give you your perfect body one day? He came to give you life. And then he, does, he, he says, I didn't just come to give you life. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that you would have life and have life. The ESV translation says have life abundantly. Now, some of your uh, English translations will say gave life to the full. But this word abundantly, in its original Greek, it's this word parasos. Not pair of socks. Pair of sauce. Mild, hot sauce together. Pair. Pair of sauce. What is, what is a pair of sauce? In, in Greek, this word pair of sauce, it means this. Exceeding some number or measure or rank or need. Over and above. This is my favorite definition of pair of sauce is this, this phrase, more than is necessary. The next one is awesome. Super added. Um, Trina, who's watching now in Oklahoma, she says everything is extra. Trina, start saying super added instead. That's super added extra. Exceedingly, abundantly, supremely, something further, more, much more than all, more plainly, superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, preeminent, superiority, advantage, more imminent, more remarkable, more excellent. That's the life that Jesus came to give. So I came to give you animation and vitality to make you a living soul, a life that will live forever. But wait, there's more. I want you to live a life that is more than necessary. God wants to give us a life more than necessary. He wants to give you a life that is overflowing to the full. That's why David writes in Psalms 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It runneth over. There's nothing fun about runneting, but, but overflowing is fun. He gives us this ability that we would have life more than necessary, and so we just need to choose fun. And because we choose fun, a life of abundance needs to be lived out in our individual lives. Because we choose fun, a life of abundance needs to be lived out in our families and especially in the community of the church. So here's the statement for we choose fun. We lost a family from our church over this statement, by the way. But the statement is this. Um, Pharisees were party poopers. Don't get offended, Pharisees. Like, Pharisees were party poopers. Jesus was the life of the party. Church is fun. Jesus is celebrated. And life is lived abundantly. I want nothing to do with that kind of community. Like, think about this for a minute. Church is fun. Jesus is celebrated. Life is lived abundantly. And, and if you were to ask, do you want to live life abundantly? Most people are not going to say, nah, in 2019 at least. Most people aren't going to say, like, no, we don't want to live life abundantly. And so this is the life that Jesus came to live, and so we choose fun. So what does this mean, this idea here of Pharisees were party poopers? It's not offensive. Here's the deal. The Pharisees were an influential group of religious Jews in the time of Jesus. They were highly religious, and they believed that self-righteousness, ultra-obedience to the law, would grant them God's acceptance. So if they're hyper-religious, 
if they're ultra-obedient, then God will accept us. And so they had the DNA statement, if you are served, you're saved. Not, if you are saved, you serve. The Pharisees essentially created man-made rules on top of rules to hold themselves, but especially others, accountable to their level of obedience. And so they would take the 600 rules of the Old Testament, and they were like, guys, 600 is not enough. We need to add a lot more. Because we need to add rules to make sure that rules are obeyed, and we then need to add rules to make sure that those rules are obeyed, and then we need to add rules to make sure that those rules are obeyed. Yes. And so when anyone deviated from these rules, the Pharisees lost their minds when someone deviated from their rules. So when someone with real power, and when someone with real authority like Jesus comes along, claiming to be able to forgive sins, doing kingdom work on the Sabbath, casting out demons, showing grace, love, and hope to sinners, the Pharisees flipped out. If someone flips out when demons are cast out, there's a problem. When someone flips out when someone offers forgiveness, there's a problem. When someone flips out when someone wants to show grace, love, and hope to others, there is a problem. These Pharisees, being hyper-religious, dramatic, and insanely boring, couldn't handle someone like Jesus being the life of the party. Pharisees were party poopers. Jesus was the life of the party. Why is that? They were afraid that Jesus would take away their prestige and their position in the Jewish society, and he did. They were afraid that the, it's kind of like in your family, like you've got this cool uncle that shows up, and he's like, ah, oh, my kids are going to think that we always have to be the cool uncle and not just the authoritarian dad. Like, you all had the cool uncle, right? That was me and my family. And, um, but these Pharisees were afraid. And so this idea of Jesus being a life at the party, let's look at Mark 2 as we wrap this up. Mark 2, verse 15 through 17, it says, As Jesus reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed Jesus, and so they came in and ate with him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to the disciples of Jesus, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why doesn't Hermie like to make toys? Why? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a doctor, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now you might say like, yes, Jesus was there for the sinners, but we've got to actually stop for a minute and say, who was included in the sinners that he came for? The Pharisees, right? Jesus doesn't say, I didn't come for you guys, I came for these people. What Jesus is actually saying is, I came for all people. Because I didn't come for healthy people, because that ain't you, Pharisees. I came for the sick. See, there's something that you notice right away about Jesus when you read through the four Gospels, and, and I even am reluctant to use this phrase because it will turn some of you off, but hear me out, it's not sacrilegious. 
you notice that Jesus was a cool guy to be around. Whoa, Pastor, Jesus wasn't cool. Oh, he was. That should be the definition. He's this cool guy to be around because people always like to hang out with him, especially children. You notice that? Like kids, if kids think that someone is cool to be around, they're cool, right? Jesus is hanging out with people. People want to be with him. He's always with people. He's always in the public. He's always eating with people, and he's always having a good time, and the Pharisees were not about having a good time. So Jesus so often was eating with such a diverse group of people. Jesus so often enjoyed time, had fun being with people, that he was actually accused of being a drunk and a glutton. Did you know that about Jesus? People accused him of being a drunk and a glutton, which was far from the truth. He was far from being either So the religious people are trying to throw accusations at Jesus to see if any of them would stick. And the only accusation they were actually able to get stick is that he claimed to be the Son of God. That stuck, and that got him hung on the cross. So in short, Jesus was fun to be around. He wasn't like the Pharisees, who were always condemning people. He wasn't like the Pharisees, who were always a drag to be around Jesus came to the world. He said himself, not me. Jesus came to the world not to condemn the world, but to save it. Jesus was able to draw all sorts of people to himself and to his kingdom because Jesus was legitimately fun. Yet, though Jesus enjoyed being around people, Though Jesus did life with all sorts of people and had fun with all kinds of people, he did not condone sin. He did not endorse sin, and he definitely did not take part in sin. When Jesus prayed for his disciples before his crucifixion on the cross, he asked the Father that he would put us in the world but that we would not be part of the world. You see, Jesus was the ultimate example of that. He came and he lived in the world, but yet he still was different. He was not part of it because he didn't engage in the things the world engaged in, but he did engage in the things that he created the world to engage in and to enjoy. So, Jesus was in the world, but not of it. You see, when Jesus actually hung out with people, when Jesus enjoyed time with people, when Jesus talked to people, what did he talk to them about? He actually did talk to them about their sin. He actually did talk to them about repentance. He actually did talk to them about forgiveness. And from that forgiveness, he actually told them to go and sin no more. The problem is many of us love to go out and condemn people and not have relationship with people and then talk with people about their issues, which, by the way, they already know about their issues. But we need to come alongside of them. And if the Holy Spirit gives us a prompting or if we have the opportunity to teach about the ways of Jesus, yes, it's okay to talk about sin. It's okay to talk about repentance. It's okay to talk about forgiveness. But you can still do life with people. Jesus sat down with that woman at the well, didn't he? He enjoyed a conversation with her. He drank water with her. And as they were enjoying conversation and rapport was built, 
he, he didn't have a hidden agenda. He just loved this woman as a part of loving her. He actually begins to tell her the issues that she has. And she's like, yes, you're right. You know all things about me. And because of that, I want to repent. I want to give my life to you. So Pharisees were party poopers. Jesus was the life of the party. And then there's this part of the statement that says church is fun. So because this community that we take part in is all about Jesus, and the community is the church. The community of the church is all about Jesus. It's built around Jesus. We ought to choose to make a church community fun. Now, that does not mean that we should make church irreverent. That doesn't mean we should make church disrespectful. It doesn't mean we should make church sacrilegious. It doesn't mean that a church should endorse or accept sin or dishonor God but we actually need to honor God by the community of fun that we choose to be and to create. And I kind of implied this earlier, but if the body of Christ, the gathering of people of Jesus, doesn't reflect the exciting nature of God that we serve, what can? If we can't reflect God and His exciting nature to enjoy life, what can reflect it? The church should reflect that more than any other institution. So, church is fun. If Christ's church can't be fun, should it, should it even be done? Let's make church exciting. Let's make it a community where laughter and enjoyment and relationship are acceptable, are fostered, and are encouraged. And the last thing is this. Church is fun. Jesus is celebrated and life is lived abundantly. Here's Mark 2.18. Right after that last verse we read, they're mad at Jesus for eating with sinners. And it says in verse 18, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to Jesus, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? Basically, the Pharisees are saying, Why are your disciples always having fun, Jesus? Why are they always eating? Look at all the religious people around you, Jesus. They don't have fun. They're super spiritual. They're always fasting, being pious, and doing religious things. But you guys are eating. You guys are going to parties. You guys are hanging out with sinners. And you guys are having fun. And religious people can't have fun, Jesus. They're right. They can't. Verse 19, Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guest fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Jesus says to them, Guys, you're missing the point. I'm here. I I am the groom and you're the body of Christ, the bride. I'm here. It's time to celebrate. The one you've been waiting for all these years is here. Celebrate me. Enjoy me. Mark 2.20. He says, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then they'll fast on that day. Jesus says, guys, enjoy this time with me because there's a time coming where I'm not going to be with you. And then you can grieve. Then you can mourn. But you won't have to mourn for long because I will raise from the dead in three days. And upon my resurrection... And upon Jesus' resurrection, guess what he started doing when he was resurrected? He started eating again. He didn't have to, but Jesus knew that a good time involved food. 
He, he started eating again. He was resurrected from the dead. And Jesus says, you guys can have your time to fast. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't fast as Christians today. But what I would suggest to you is we actually have the Holy Spirit living inside of us now. And if the Holy Spirit of God lives within us, and if we could rejoice when Jesus was here, I think it's actually okay to rejoice when the Spirit is here, when the Spirit's living inside of us. I took our assistant pastors up to a little mini-conference in Seattle, and we sang the song that we sang today at this conference, the one that was like, and I ran out of that grave, that song, you know, that's why I'm not on the worship team. But there, there's this a great friend of mine, and one of, somebody from his church is going to be watching this. His name's Tom. He is the coolest guy in the world. Tom, I want to be like Tom when I grow up because he's significantly older than I am, probably 60 years old. And, but whenever the course of that song came on and I ran out of that grave, Tom got a running start. And right when the song said, and I ran out of that grave, he jumped and he rose from the grave and then he ran backwards and he did it all again. Pastor, can we do that here? Yeah, just keep your social distancing. Keep an eye on those around you, but like, the guy knows how to have fun, and he's 60. And when you sing, and I ran out of that grave, he literally ran and jumped as if he was jumping out of a grave because he actually was. That's what he was doing. So Jesus is to be celebrated, and life is lived abundantly. See, the life God gave us and saved us for is an abundant life, and so I would say choosing fun It's spiritual. So let's choose an overflowing life of vitality to the full. Let's choose a life that is more than necessary. Let's choose fun and live abundant lives even in the middle of a pandemic. So when you get together with your six this Thanksgiving, party it up with that six or 60 or whatever you choose. Because we choose fun, we can have fun in the midst of whatever is going on around us. In the bleakest of times, you can choose fun. And in fact, it's during the bleakest of times that that choice is all the more important. you got to make a choice, guys. Make a choice to experience joy, to, to have fun, and to allow yourself the opportunity to enjoy life. See, We can go out and we can enjoy the wonder and the goodness of our Creator. We can bring Him worship through our abundant living. And that fun, it reaches people. It's contagious. It does something. And here's the last verse I'll read if you guys want to prepare your hearts to sing. We're doing, I ran out of that grave again, and you better get ready. We're actually not, I don't think, but we'll do it again someday. Um, But here's this last verse. Here's, Here's what I think. Fun is not just for now. Say that again. Fun is not just for now. I didn't mean literally. Um, What just happened? (laughs) Repeat after me. Fun is not just for now. That sounded like the least fun thing we could ever do. All chance again. (laughs) No, I don't know what happened. So fun is not just for now. And I'm going to like say that to you. Say that in your heart. Fun is not just for now. Fun is not just for now. Good job, church. Okay. Fun's for eternity. Fun is for everlasting. Fun, enjoyment, amusement, enjoying the creation of God and worshiping Him through that enjoyment and that fun, that's something that will last forever. 
Now, notice the words that Jesus uses. He says, the bridegroom is here. You should celebrate. Now, it also happens to be that it was in Cana of Galilee where Jesus performed his first miracle, and it was at a, say this out loud, wedding. It was at a wedding. And when Jesus was at the wedding, the wine ran out, and Jesus turned the water into grape juice. No, he turned it into wine. He turned the water into wine. And so there's something fantastically fun about weddings. And here in Revelation 19, when we're looking at eternity, I want us to end our time together today with a look at a wedding. Revelation 19, 6 through 9. This is John the Apostle has a vision of the new heaven and the new earth that's awaiting us in our resurrection. He says, I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. I read this verse a couple years ago and I got a five-page email from someone who wanted to argue with me that heaven would not be loud. Okay, that's what scripture says. Listen to this. This is party language. I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out. Well, what did it sound like? It sounded like a party. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult. Let us give Him the glory For the marriage of the Lamb has come. That's the consummation of all things. The consummation of Jesus, the groom, with his bride, the body of Christ, the church. The marriage of the Lamb has come. And marriage language in the Bible is always celebration language. And his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Verse 9, And the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. God is inviting you to enjoy Him. God is inviting you to enjoy life. God is inviting you in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of the year 2020, to find amusement. God is inviting you to celebrate, to live vital, animated lives. But not just vital, animated lives of living souls, but lives which are lived to the full. And at the marriage supper of the Lamb, for eternity, in the new heaven and the new earth, in this resurrected life body, we will be invited to a celebration. And I don't think we're going to be standing around in front of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and saying, this is pretty boring. I think it's going to be a good time. I think it's going to be an abundant time. I think we'll be able to find joy. And so if joy is what eternity looks like forever, because that's eternity, let's find some joy now. Let's enjoy life now. Because when we do, we'll just be getting a head start. Some of us are doing it more than others, and I've been doing a pretty lousy job. But what is it that you enjoy in this week? How can you go 
and live a little bit of that joy and experience just a taste of heaven because the Bible says, at God's right hand there is pleasure forevermore. So God, as we close this time of the word today, would you encourage us, give us joy and help us to choose joy in the midst of suffering and uncertain times. God, as we worship you through song right now, may this not be the only worship we partake in this week, but may we worship you throughout this week through singing, through enjoyment, through amusement, through our children, through our friends, through our families. God, let us find and experience and choose fun like we never have before. And God, uh, challenge us, challenge us, God, to to choose to make church community something that's fun something that needs to be done. God, for those who do not know you, I pray they would trust you for the forgiveness of their sins. God, help them to put faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that they might have life and have it to the full. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Today was such a good word. Um, my mom and sister came to visit from California this week, and I can't say I had fun. I did enjoy them. Don't laugh. I d oh, wait, let me finish. I did enjoy them, but um, I don't know if you guys read the story about Martha and Mary, and I, could, I am so Martha. I feel like I am, I am like her in this 2000 year I'm always about cleaning and making sure everything's nice and tidy you could tell my mom she says I'm rude because all I do is clean and I just felt like I really didn't have fun with her like I should like I should have enjoyed her more so definitely go out there and have fun and just don't let the worries of this world stop you don't let the enemy take your joy from you and I hope you guys all have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday